Talk Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed Weekly Podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba news. Scuba Obsessed Episode 146 recorded live January 17th, 2013. Welcome back to Scoob Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson, and I'd like to welcome my co-host for this week. We have Jim. How are you doing today, Jim? I am as fine as a gnat's eyelash. So I take it a gnat's eyelash is fine. That's yeah, I fine. guess I, I guess I get it. It took me took me yeah, a second to figure that out. So yeah, yeah I, that's pretty fine. Very fine. So how's your week been? Uh, it's been an interesting week. It's been an interesting week. Mud yeah. club meeting on Tuesday and. Another meeting on Monday, out of town last night, just got back home tonight, so wow. looking forward to tomorrow being Friday and having a chance to just kick back and relax over the weekend. Certainly. Yeah, we're we're hitting some midwinter weather. Still aren't having the snowfall that I would expect. I don't, I don't know how many inches would you say we've had all year so far. I'd have to check with my wife, but I think we've probably got uh, maybe six over the season since yeah. the fall. She keeps track of it. Oh, <laughs> so she she does. I it just doesn't seem like we've we've had much of a snow yet. So either it means we're going to sneak through another winter without anything, or we're going to get slammed. Don't go for anything in between. Well, let's go ahead and get a news. We have a pretty decent news week, quite a bit in there. If you're in the chat room, you're going to get the benefit of being able to follow along, especially if I remember to put it in there. Hey, very good. You posted the first one. Yeah, it all starts with the first step. So we'll get there. Here now, we go. now this one is out of Seattle, or uh, the Washington area. I don't know if it's necessarily Seattle, but the state DNR fined $172,900 following the investigation into a diver's death. Now, we normally don't cover the negative on the show, but we did uh, cover this one a little bit earlier in the year and thought it would be good to follow up on it. A 24-year-old died July 24th while diving as part of a four-man dive team from the DNR's Aquatic Resources Division. And what they were doing is they were sampling for shellfish poisoning and restoration of point geoduck tract. The State Department of Labor and Industries notified DNR officials Friday of the results of Department Safety and Health Inspection that was launched after the death and included an extensive list of DNA, DNA, DNR's violations, which included two willful violations, eight serious violations, and six general violations. And the comment was, commercial scuba diving involves risks that unfortunately led to too, led too often to tragedies like the incident. These significant risk factors require advanced planning, properly maintain equipment, and strict adherence to procedures to establish protection of workers' lives on each and every dive. The two willful violations carried a penalty totaling $135,000. So just here's a quick snapshot of some of the things that they had. They they looked back six months before the inspection. Nine divers had made 370 dives without a reserve breathing supply. That violation uh, covered $70,000. They in the, di- in the diving incident leading to the diver's death, the state faulted DNR for not having a designated person in charge on the surface of, of the water or the vessel from where the diving operation was launched. The state noted that the person in charge of the dive was the was in the water for three of the dives that took place, which created a safety hazard for four other dives. They said the state's diving equipment maintenance program had not been designed and implemented. Diving equipment was not being maintained. The technician didn't have current training. High-pressure cylinders for divers were not tested at the required five-year interval. So I'm imagining there's, that didn't have a uh, hydro. That's yeah, probably hydro. Yep. They said the DNR divers are exposed to safety hazards because the diving safe practices manual is not in effect and almost a dozen areas of concern, including requirements for standby divers, equipment inspections, other issues related to diving procedures. Investigators also found that one out of nine divers from the state's dive team did not meet the basic qualification standards for open water diving skill. Now, I wonder what that means. That'd, that'd be good to have some more information on that. What was that last? They said that the, di- that the state's Tumwater dive team, and it said that one out of nine divers 
had not met the basic qualification standards for open water diving skills. So that that's saying one of the divers. So was he not a certified diver, or is there additional requirements that they have? Because they have to operate as a commercial dive program. So that's why some of this yeah. stuff is a little bit stricter than when your buddies are out in the boat just going in. You know, they're doing this as an occupation they consider to be a little bit extra hazard. They said the DNR was also followed for lack of a pre-dive planning meeting before the fatal dive and said a pre-dive safety briefing was not conducted. Well, The investigation also found DNR divers using damaged or inoperable equipment, including hoses, breathing gas cylinders, and buoyancy devices. So the DNR will have 15 working days to appeal the citation. I'm glad we do not run a commercial operation because that sure would be tough. But we do some good stuff when we're trying to dive. Yeah. You know, well, we, have is... a, we have a safety briefing before any, when everybody goes out on the boat. I always let them know where the safety gear is. We have a pre-dive discussion. When I come up, you go down. When you go down, I'll come up. I mean, it's easy to see how you could get lax on these things. Yeah, especially if we're diving with the same people all the time, using the same boat, and, you know, it's just there. And mm-hmm. If you're refilling your own tanks, you could become lax on checking your hydros. Yep. I bet they don't make this mistake again. Probably not. At least not in the next few years. Well, let's let's hope not. Of course, we never did hear what caused the death or if it was equipment failure or natural causes or yeah because this isn't what this really isn't saying what the cause was this is saying what they didn't do that they should be doing yep after the fact so you know it could have been a natural death uh natural causes death happened in the water and they're still going to come in and do the investigation and nail you for everything they possibly can yeah same same thing would happen in a non-diving activity if you were at work and somebody got fatally injured osha is going to come in and and look and anything in that plant is going to come to light and they're going to find out and find you for it. That's for sure. So next up is more money and time needed to remove the Concordia wreck. They're saying it's it could be removed by September. They're hoping for it to be done around the June time frame of 2013. They said it's just taking a little bit longer. They had, uh, if, if you remember from before, they were making a platform and they're going to tilt the, the ship up and then float it away as opposed to cutting it in the spot because they didn't want to risk the environment there. Uh, there's still some concerns, even though they've they've pumped out a, a massive amount of fuel, there's still rotting food, uh, lubrication, and uh, septic that they said uh, could be leaking in. So let's see. They, they got the prices down here. 530 million pounds or lira? That's euros. Euros, okay. Shows you what I know about foreign currency. Yep, that's $530 million. That's what it was. Yeah. 400 million euros, $530 million. To pick it up. (laughs) Quite a Mm. chunk of change. I think they just ought to leave it there. Just ought to shove it on over and make it a wreck, make it a dive site. Yeah, I think so. That's what Dave just said. Yeah, Dave, you were typing it when I said it. (laughs) So if you follow along in the show notes, if you're hearing this in a recording, you can go to our website, scubaobsessed.com. You'll be able to pick up the show notes. We'll have a a few articles that will cover that. Good day to be a seagull. Tens of thousands of dead fish washed ashore on South Carolina Beach. Mm. This happened earlier today. Oh, wait, no, Tuesday. Thousands of fish washed up in a mile and a half stretch of the beach on South Carolina Tuesday. They said it's a second such occurrence in the region in a week. Uh, They're estimating 30 to 40,000 Manhattan fish, six to eight inches long, were spread along the shore in uh, Georgetown County. On the state's Atlantic coast, thousands more are expected. They said similar incidents had happened before. They said uh, just last week it was a smaller oily fish that washed ashore near Mansboro Island, North Carolina. And they said last year it happened on the same beaches. What they're speculating is that there was uh, the oxygen was depleted in the water and that with exceptionally high tides and low tides, they think that the fish got caught in areas they wouldn't have been in numbers that normally wouldn't be in that size. And so they asphyxiated, or what they call it here, hydroxy? Hypoxia. Hypoxia. So the, the, they they basically suffocated in the water and died. And then when the tide came in, uh, it washed them back away and it brought them back in the beach. So they say it's a natural occurrence, but they did take samples trying to figure out if there was any other causes that they should be aware of. Too many fish in too small an area. Yep. They said, uh, we're not going to pick it up. We're just going to leave them there, let nature take them. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I I can see them doing that at this time of the year. Yeah. If it were middle of the summer or getting ready to be tourist season and people would be on the beach, I'll bet they'd have a different program. Oh, I'm sure they will. They said normally that the people wouldn't have discovered it other than with the unseasonably warm weather. There are a lot of people on the beach, so it's what brought it to their attention. Speaking of people on the beach, can I sidetrack us for just a minute? Sure. Uh, we saw a good post earlier this week. Uh, came from the Michigan Underwater or Michigan Shipwreck Association. Uh, I'm sorry, the State Preservation Association mm-hmm. uh, for the underwater preserves. And they were saying, with the extremely low water levels we have in the lake this winter, and with the winter storms that usually come through and expose many beached shipwrecks. Uh, they're expecting to find some new and unique wrecks this year or wrecks that haven't been seen for many years being exposed on the sand this year. And they were encouraging, uh, trying to get the word out to residents that if you spot a wreck on the beach, uh, report it, you know, get it to the local preserves or to the uh, uh, Michigan Association, and they would make sure that it got documented, photographed, and measured. Excellent. Now, had they had any reports so far, or is this just something that they're speculating on? Uh, there was a couple up north. Um, one, the property owner was wanting to have the wreck bulldozed because he was afraid it would create a hazard on his property as people were walking the beach and that he might get sued. But then you get into the issue of, okay, is it within the high water line and is it really on your property or, you know, below the mean high water line and subject to public domain in the state's property? So I haven't heard any more on that. So he was he wanted it removed is what he was saying? Yeah. Yeah? Oh. Yeah, he wanted to bulldoze it so it didn't, you know, create a problem on his beach. Hmm. His beach. Oh, of course. Yeah, I, I think... Uh... Somebody needs to take a look at the laws. I think it's there's a specific definition in Michigan, since we don't have tidal zones, where I think it's the average watermark. And I don't know how long that average has to be, but I think a good lawyer would be able to say that that average would be historic over you know dozens of years as opposed to a season. Yeah, I would certainly hope so. So I just thought I'd get that plug in there. We'll try to get some emails out and get on some posts, but... Uh... Any Great Lakes divers, if you spot something or hear of something on the beach, please report it to uh, michiganpreserves.org. Hopefully we find something this year. It'd be I nice. sure hope so. We had a, Mac got out a couple times last winter. Uh, we had the one by Grand Mere, and we also had there at, uh, where was a seawall section, Tiscornia Beach, I believe. Yes. Yeah, it was. Uh, we believe it was a seawall section until it's flipped over and we get some better measurements on it. That's what we're going to continue to call it. This next one is uh, the Aquarius Reef Base has been saved. A uh, press release was put out saying that they had received funding. This is the one where several dive celebrities had been there recruiting. They had lost uh, federal funding for the program or direct federal funding. Uh, now it's being they got funding from the Florida International University, which received a grant to operate the facility. So they're excited that they've been successful. As a member of the Cooperative Institute for Marine and Atmospheric Studies, they received a grant to continue maintenance and monitoring of the facility for NOAA in 2013. Old FIU to develop a new business model to fund operations at Aquarius. So Interesting quote in the about article about here. That they do down there. But it's nice to have a facility like that. Yeah. I wouldn't mind going. Interesting quote here. The only place in the world where scientists, artists, poets, okay, and others up, can live underwater. UCSB Group receives a multi-million dollar NSF grant for marine research. And so that must be University of California, uh, San Bernardino. Wait for this article to come up. Grants from the National Science Foundation. So there's, there's all this money around. We don't seem to be getting any of it. Uh, Oh, Santa Barbara. It was a Santa Barbara Coastal Long-Term Ecology Research and the Maria Coral Reef Long-Term Ecological Research Programs have each received close to $1 million per year for the next four to six years, money that will fund research opportunities, supply salaries for the researchers and intern working at two UCSB-affiliated ecological research sites that are part of the National Science Foundation's Long-Term Ecological Research Network. 
the NSF flagship program of environmental sciences. They said they hope to question the effects of such thing as global warming, ocean acidification, the impact of rainwater runoff offshore. And they said it can take decades of data and analysis to answer their 25 state-funded NSF in the U.S. LTER network. Mm. So, so it's just raining money. It's not raining it here. We could sure there, use Jim? some money to help us with Max Rec. Hello? Yeah, I'm still here. You there, Darren? I don't know if this is me or... Can you hear me in the chat room? Darren? Hello. Okay, Darren, I'm hearing myself in the chat room. Jimmy there? I'm still here. Yeah, they can still hear both of us, Darren. Wow, that's weird. That means... Huh. Yeah, odd tool. We're normally confused. I live my life confused. Ah, uh, here you go, Jim. I can hear you now. That's weird. You can hear me now? I can hear you now. That must have been something with my uh, setup. Okay. I could see Skype flashing that you were there and that you were saying something, but nothing was coming through my headphones, so... Had to okay. recycle, unplug, and plug. Well, we're glad you're back. I have to, I have to when I'm editing, listen to it to see what I missed. <laughs> <laughs> so what Moving was your right comment along. on uh, it was raining money? Yeah, I said, that, you know, we could sure use some of that over here at MaxRec to help us. Uh, but, I, you know, that's what we need. We need to recruit someone into the preserve who's a good grant writer and can go out writing grants for uh, for us. You know, I'm almost sad to say I know two people who write grants, so I should. I probably said this before. I should bug them. Yeah, please. The thing do. is, the people who are good at writing grants hate writing grants. Well, so. I've done some narratives for our local fire department. We've gotten some federal funding. You know, yeah. you, you learn to use the right buzzwords. But yeah. working out in other areas, I haven't tried my hand at that yet. So I may just have to do that, or maybe I can work with your friends and yeah, we can get something going between the three of us. Yeah, I can. Yeah, we can definitely put you in contact with them. The the one said the trick was to actually read the the grant requirements. He says that's the biggest yeah. mistake most people make is that they don't. The grants are usually fairly specific, and if you mm-hmm. answer the questions and you're the only one, there's a good chance you you may get it. Yeah, if you use the buzzword that they're looking for, uh, quite often that does help. And trying to raise some more money, this one in the UK, a bomb disposal. Now, why do I say bomb disposal? That's what it says. Wow. Some of these, and I just looked at this earlier today. RN divers bomb disposal experts raise funds for a diving museum in Gosport. A team of Royal Navy divers and bomb disposal experts based at Horseshoe, Horse, Horseshoe? God, that doesn't even look like that should be a word. Horseshoe Island paid a visit to the diving museum in Gosport recently to thank them for the loan of the historic diving kit used by the Royal Navy and the handover of 400-pound donation the museum charity. They raised 7300 for service charity whilst compelling the Great South Run, oh, whilst competing the Great South Run. Oh, this is the uh, the gentleman who, who ran in the diving suit. Ah, so that makes sense. So it was actually, it was a real suit because we were debating whether it was uh, real or if it had was, uh, I don't know, not a reenactment, a copy. Hmm. What do they call that? It's not a copy. Reproduction. Yeah, reproduction, yeah. Reproduction, that's what it was. So excellent. Well, I'm just out of whack today. I expect any minute to kill this computer. I've got so many windows open. And another one from the UK, Plymouth's John Smith, commended for his 50 years as a Royal Navy diver. A grandfather six who's dealt with bombs, bodies, bank heists, and pirates has just been awarded a certificate to recognize 50 years as a naval diver and instructor. 69-year-old John Smith was recently given a surprise special commendation certificate from the Royal Navy to mark his time as a Navy diver. That's got to almost be a world record for 50 years as an active Navy diver. Yeah, that's a long time to be in the military. Yeah. In the U.S., you'd have have probably retired a dozen times by then. He said, I joined the Navy in June of 1960. One of my earlier ships was the HMS Belfast. It was here that I started to visualize my career as a Navy diver and joined the Far East Fleet in 1962, took my first step on the ladder and qualified as shallow water diver. He says diving has given given him a fantastic life. Oh, he retired from the Royal Navy after 41 years as a warrant officer in December 2000. Oh. He also worked for the Diving Disease Research Center in Plymouth. So it doesn't sound like he was a Navy diver all those years, but he's been an active diver. Yeah, it sounds like Mac. <laughs> sounds like quite a few of the members. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, he would fit in well with our club. Yeah, yeah we dive with him. Just think yeah. of all the stories. Sure. And then... One of the last of the regular articles, well, I call it the regular articles, but the, of the news section, was a bell was found. 
And th- this should be just kind of keep us getting excited. They said that they found a bell dating back to 1875 on a shipwreck off the coast of Kirkcaldy. Scuba diving instructor Marth Blith uncovered the ship's bell while out in a training dive on the 4th of last week. Its discovery comes after years of lying the bottom in the estuary where local divers had thought to wreck was a different ship. Mark, who runs the dive bunker, explained the bell was found on the wreck on the rocks between Kinghorn and Kirkcaldy. For years, we used to ship we used the wreck as a training dive and assumed from records it was the Adam Smith. With the bad weather we've had, the whole seabed had fairly shifted down and uncovered a lot of wreckage that was hidden before. I was on a training dive with a client on Sunday when we saw what looked to be like a pipe. I thought it looked kind of interesting. Went back on Monday, had a closer look and a bit of light excavation to bring it out. The top of the bell was missing because it had been exposed to weather, but the rest of the bell was right up to the edge there. They said... Uh, the bell had the engraving of Vulcan 1875 on it. He says, I've dived personally about 1,400 to 1,500 times and probably had between 8 and 10 divers out at a time. It's been a lot of divers down there over the years, but this belt has gone unnoticed until now. The beauty of the seabed constantly changing. You never know what you're going to find. So think of it, you know, Think about that. If he's got 1,500 dives on this wreck and he's just one person. Yeah, yeah. You know, you and there's never probably, know what you're going to find when you start moving some sand. Stuff that's hidden underneath. So that was essentially his Havana, where yeah. they just automatically go out to it, don't expect to see anything new, more just getting some bottom time. Mm. Amazing, amazing. So never give up hope. There's always more to find. There's always more to find. Just got to get more people involved in wanting to move sand. Oh, yeah. Speaking more to find, I've gotten into that Shadow Divers book. Aha. That's an excellent book. A lot of a lot of interesting reading there. Uh, there's a lot of interesting reading, so I'll, I'll reserve my opinion for it till the very end. Uh, yeah, it, it it's good reading. I'll put it that way. Whether yeah. you agree or disagree, and there's been some other books written, you know, that countered that one and go back and forth. But uh, it it certainly describes North Atlantic wreck diving of. 30 years ago. I can tell you that. (laughs) Now, without giving too much of the book away, was it really that much animosity between divers and boats? Uh, Yeah. Wow. Uh, Especially when you got into diving the Doria. Mm -hmm. Um, There there was definitely two camps that were competing against each, each other. That was when the days when they were really going after the China and a lot of other stuff off the Andrea Doria. So it was just that mixture of diving technology, depth of the wreck, what was to be found that just created that perfect storm for everybody to start getting on each other's nerves. So, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, you had a lot of very strong personalities uh, that were out there, and you had a lot of guys who were, you know, this was the time before computers, or the edge was just on the the, the beginning, uh, you know, being developed. And uh, dry suits, you know, rec- dr- well, recreational dry suits were just coming out. Uh, and people were starting to uh, play with different gases, you know, who had had some military background or had friends who had military background. So there was a lot of experimentation going on. And uh, there was quite a bit of, of macho uh, of, you know, hey, I'll take my 80 off and have a 25-foot low-pressure hose, and I'll just leave the 80 outside the hole I'm going in, and I'll just go in with my regulator and a 25-foot low-pressure hose uh, to get to the area I want to get to. Uh, I've seen that happen on a wreck at 90 feet, and it's uh, it's different. Now, it sounds almost a little bit like cave diving. I mean, some of those cave divers will squeeze in some spots and take their back off. Yeah, but you don't leave it outside the wreck and go 25 feet in on a a hose that wasn't designed to be part of a, a scuba rig. Oh, it wasn't. It wasn't a high pressure hose or a, a, a dive. No, hose. it was basically a modified garden hose. Ew. Okay. Well, how I'm I'm still reading, but I you know it's a good read. Yeah, well, that's a good topic. It's hard to go bad with a scuba book, especially when it's stuff you don't know or or didn't see. So that does it for scuba in the news. Uh, kind of a follow-up to some potentially cool scuba gear. Last week we talked about the was it the Blue Buddy, and they're getting closer to their funding. They've got 153 backers. They're 
to their $20,000 goal, and they have 16 days yet to go. So if you want a first shot at this, I've given a little bit of discount to people who are early supporters. So I'm going to guess that they're going to make it. They've only got four more thousand, 16 days, so that's about 250 a day. So they really only need to sell a couple dive loggers per day, and they should have it. So if you're one of those people who likes to wait to the very end to where you know it's going to be funded before you commit, then it looks like this one's on track. Huh. Lost Jim here for a second. Try and get him back. Okay, I'm back. You're back. That was weird. And, I can, uh, and, and what was interesting is that you dropped, but didn't drop the whole call. So maybe they updated something with Skype. So that was a kind yeah, of Yeah, I, I lost you, and then all of a sudden I heard it hang up, and next thing I know it's uh, I couldn't do anything on TalkShoe either. So maybe it was my server that gave me a hiccup. Yeah, it may be. Uh, it does that sometimes. But we were just talking about the Blue Buddy, and that uh, looks like you're getting close to the goal, 16,318. Out of 20,000. I, I hope so. I ordered one of the tech versions, so I hope they get enough money to uh, produce them. Yeah, so 16 days, $4,000. I, I think they're going to make it, so that'll be nice. Yeah, it sure would. I think that would be a neat little tool to add on and be able to track and log dives. And... What I like about it is the ability for it to do everything wireless. I just really feel like that's the way things are going to be moving. Yeah, come up from your dive, and boom, there's your phone, and zoom, you've got it right there. Yeah, you don't have to disconnect anything. You just leave it sitting on your kit. Yep. Don't even have to worry about it. And it's a nice uh, backup for your dive computer to have something like that. Yeah. Or if you don't got, you know, you don't have a computer that's got inner download capability like mm-hmm. me, you know, here's a chance to download. And you know, if you can put it on your phone, you can put it on your well, laptop at home or desktop or whatever. He, you're here's using. another way of looking at it. Put it in the log. Is that so? They're saying for a pledge of $109, you get one of the first ones. Yeah. I spent $150 on the cable for my dive computer. How obscene is that? Well, take it one step further. Go for the tech version. That'll get you, you know, deeper than 130. Yep. You could drop it down on an ROV or, you know, any Mm -hmm. number of things uh, and record your profile. It doesn't have to be just on you as a diver. If you had a a submersible uh, Mm -hmm. or an ROV, be a great way of just doing a backup record on your ROV file. Oh, here's 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 another thought: is uh, say you're a shark researcher. I bet they pay a lot more than $139. Or what? What's the tech one? Of course, that the shark's going to go too deep, probably. But well, when it maxes out, it'll max out as long as it doesn't implode. Yeah, but they've had some of those where they've used uh, dissolvable, like stitching. Uh, yeah. Where they'll stick it into a shark, and then after a certain amount of time in the water, it will float to the surface and they can retrieve it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wouldn't quite work, but very cool. So hopefully it goes through. Yeah, maybe we can get a few more people to get behind it. And we have some photos of the week. It's quite a big week for photos of diving, and these are worth taking a peek at. This first one is just general undersea critters. So if you like to see aquatic life, there's a slide set of 16 photos. What the heck is going on with this thing? World's tallest tower opens in Dubai. I'm sorry, that's going in the wrong direction. That's up, not down. Yeah, there's, there's one. That slide oh, number okay. number five uh, kind of looks like a molded orange wedge, but just some amazing creatures. Like we've talked about before, if you didn't know better, this would be from a monster movie. You, you could you could actually make all the villains for a monster movie just out of this. <laughs> Maybe it's... Uh predecessor to the next Aliens movie. Yeah. We've got Cameron who said that he's going to do uh, an underwater version of Avatar. So you could this is, could be his models right here. Then we have uh, Vertical Caves Diving the Blue Hole. Another collection of some good photos. That blue hole just looks beautiful. I saw something. I think they were trying to make some trails out to a, it's not a blue hole, but a sinkhole up at uh, Alpina. Oh, yeah. Alpina in the uh, Island on the preserve. Really? Yeah. You were talking about uh, trying to open that up so that if you, you know, if it was nasty and you were getting blown off the lake, you could still do some dives in that uh, sinkhole out on the island. And I believe there's another one out on the end of the peninsula. Now, that would be really interesting. Now, is that a, is that one of those gypsum sinkholes? Uh, I'm not sure what the whole story about it is. Yeah, Steve was saying there's an interest, information on Facebook today about it. I saw something a while back, but... Uh, I'll have to dig into it. Thanks for the input, Steve. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely have to take a look at that. There was, uh, 
gosh, what was it? There was I, I was doing some research, I think, when uh, we were doing that dive in uh, Grand Rapids. Mm. And I came across that, and there was a gypsum mine. Yeah. Well, some of these were natural sinkholes. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I'll tell you, there's, you know, I'll put a plug in for the other side of the state. Uh, if you've never dove Alpena, Michigan, and the Thunder Bay National Underwater Park, it is well worthwhile if you're a you know, a wreck diver, you're going to see everything from wooden barges to uh, steel steamers or, yeah, you know, ships from the uh, 1950s and 60s that uh, went down out there. A little bit of everything. Diving in all kinds of depths and all kinds of conditions. And generally, it's uh, with the prevailing winds out of the northwest, uh, it's usually pretty well protected, too. Plus, you go just a little bit north of that, and you've got some of the great wrecks, the beautiful wooden schooners. You've got the Barney up off of Rogers City, and there's some other wrecks that they found in the tech area, you know, tech depths under 200 feet, but deeper than 130 that are beautiful wrecks to dive. So put a plug in for the uh, Thunder Bay National Marine Preserve. Definitely a place to visit. Dive Michigan. Then the last section of the photos, we have Architeuthis, giant squid stories. And uh, Tony Wu, who's an underwater photographer, had a blog post talking about his experiences with uh, squid. He mentioned that the, he had just seen the, the video it, it showed in uh, Discovery in Japan uh, a couple days ago. And at the end of the month, it's supposed to be showing here in the U.S. Hmm. So he had some interesting squid calamari shots. Tony Wu's got it's, a, it's one of those. If you're interested in underwater photography, he's somebody you have to follow. He has some some amazing photos. And then we have a video of the week: underwater photography. Hugh Gentry. Uh, he shot uh, Newsweek's first animated cover. Newsweek has a digital version of their magazine, and he did the photo and the video that was used to cr to create the animation. And he talks about it in his uh, post there. So he was using a 5D Mark II camera, and he was intending on shooting both the stills and the video with the same camera. He said the problem was that once the sub started descending, it goes pretty rapidly, so he wouldn't be able to switch back and forth. So he mounted a GoPro onto his uh, camera housing rig. So the GoPro was shooting the exact same image that the his 5D was, his Canon. So he was able to use the Canon shot for the magazine cover and print and then use the GoPro for the video to make excuse me the video slides so actually a very cool idea so that's what you need Jim you just need a regular camera to go with that video yeah well I think I'm going to end up getting a second GoPro uh, not the three my son bought a three and I think he's going to send me back his hero so so he didn't like the, the three no he likes the three. Oh, okay so he had a hero and he decided to upgrade to a three oh, okay. uh, because he, it's got such greater uh, capability and he's using it down there in Florida in the clear water. So <laughs> he was going to send me his other hero and now I'll be able to rig them up and uh, do some more stuff with them. Yeah. Well, you talked about ROVs. I mean, that's another camera that's good to put in an ROV. Yeah, that would be great for an ROV. It sounds like the uh, another Kickstart project, the uh, open ROV, has really made good progress and getting a lot of things going. And uh, yeah, I believe they're talking about putting kits out next, well, this spring, I believe. Well, I, I think with their last Kickstart project, they were supposed to have some kits available. Maybe not assembled, yep. but... No, they, they did. They put those kits out, and now they're coming up with, you know, since they've gotten feedback from those and people have built those prototype kits or version one, uh, they're now coming back and taking input from other people and uh, getting ready to cut some more plastic and make some more, you know, unassembled kits available for additional people to go. So I guess they're kind of looking at round two. Excellent. Looking forward to that. Yeah, I, I was tempted. I just didn't have the the liquid funds to be able to go and do something. Yeah. I certainly would have enjoyed playing with that because that'd be the great thing to do uh, on your surface interval between dives. That's something we might want to think about is pooling resources and <laughs> getting ourselves one for, uh, for the club or for yeah. the search work we're doing. Oh, certainly. Yeah, that would make sense. Okay, so that does it for the videos, photos, and scuba in the news. And uh, kind of a related topic, I was watching one of my favorite reality shows, Moonshiners. 
makes me want to set up a still. And one of our dive buddies happened to be on the show. Really? Yeah, I was surprised. I'm, I'm looking at it, and it comes up, and it shows a, a photo of him and the wreck that he found. And I'm like, what the heck's going on here? So I, as it's on, I popped on to Facebook and said, hey, is that you? And he said, yeah, it's on already. It wasn't supposed to be on yet. So Ross Richardson, who Ross? found the Westmoreland, what they're doing is they're talking about a segment where they mentioned that uh, liquor had been found underwater in shipwrecks. Yeah. And I guess the Westmoreland, I didn't realize it, but the Westmoreland has some uh, beverages that are floating in casks in the, the hold. I know it was reported to have, but uh, I hadn't heard if uh, Ross had found any inside or not. Well, they, they certainly indicated in the program that that's what it was. So oh, interesting. Yeah, I mentioned it, and he, he goes, wow, I didn't think it was going to be on so quick. <laughs> mm. So the the world of, of social media, you get to find out stuff instantly. So, yeah, he was on. So that was, that was kind of cool. Uh, oh, on the absolutely. on the Moonshiners program, they're actually, this this episode, they're trying to find a Moonshiners car that went in the drink uh, 40, 50 years ago and pull it out. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I imagine they said that uh, Moonshine with a story is worth even more. So they were going to yeah. pull it up and, and sell it. So so that, that might be the next, the next week's episode. I think they may have wow. something going on dive-related. I'll have to go back and record it. Yeah. Well, I know Discovery has been poking around on this side of the state. I know a few people who they've talked to about doing a reality program. So, and and they're always looking at that. I'm sure they they talk to ten people for every one they do. But yeah, uh, you know, a lot of times collecting footage that they can use in other episodes, which is exactly what seems to happen with Ross. So very cool. And. Make sure if you haven't gotten a chance, you head on over to Access Scuba, www.accessscuba.com. You can find us over there at www.accessscuba.com forward slash obsessed is our, our page on that social media site. And they've added a new feature, which I have yet to try. I hope to get some time the weekend to give it a try, but they've added a dive log. So you have all the benefits of the social media you have over there. You have the forums, you have the the posts, the, the, you can share photos and videos, but now you can also log dives. And uh, I was talking with the developer, and he was going to do something to where, you know how sometimes it's a pain in the butt to have your buddy sign the log book. So I think he's got that feature. If it's not in there, it's something that's coming down the road. So, you know, go on there, kick the tires, see if you like it. If you don't want to log your dives online, you don't have to, but that's uh, something new that they've added. Just take it from someone who's been log diving for a long time. Never stop logging your dives. Uh, well, it's something I stopped doing, and I wish I had not. I'd like to say I, I haven't stopped logging, everything. but I'm so far behind, I don't know. I'm probably 100 dives behind. I keep telling myself that's why I do the show. The show's my, my dive logs, but I don't think I, I don't know which is worth uh, going through 400 scraps of notes or uh, 400 hours of audio. So yeah, die. Well, the, the cool thing is what I'm what I'm hoping to do, what I'm really hope this uh, website turns into, is a way of making it to where you can discover dives. So provided somebody's your friend, they're on the list. The ability to see your buddy's logbook and the the stuff that he dove and where he dove it to me could be valuable. I, what I, what I'd love to do is be able to go and say I'm going to South Carolina and it's going to show me all the dives that my friends have done in that area so that it gives me ideas of what I want to do. Cool. And then uh, Aug in the chat room is saying, uh, asking if we're involved with uh, building the system. And actually, I didn't, but I've talked to the developer, and I, you know, I may work on some projects with him. He's done some stuff with Rich, uh, Larry over there at uh, Access Scuba. So, but some good stuff. And, uh, you know, and then if somebody's got some ideas, uh, let me know, and I can feed it to him. I've got quite a few myself that I've been holding off on. But I didn't, you know, it's, it's a matter of getting time. This, this week has been e-commerce week for me at work, and I've just been doing tons of that stuff. So there's only so many hours a day and so many different projects you can do, so it's nice to have somebody who's doing something that makes sense and works. So it's kind of like he made it so I didn't have to. So uh, it's worth taking a look at. And then, as always, you can find us on Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash obsessed. Also, the Scuba Obsessed website, www.scubaobsessed.com as well as Twitter. Twitter continues to grow. We have some on Google+. Plus. You can find us over there. We're on all the social sites. The only one I haven't done yet is Pinterest. I haven't been able to get into Pinterest, so I'm probably going to have to go make an account. I don't know 
haven't quite gotten to the pinning thing. You almost need social media for social media. And then something, if you're not following, that's certainly worth it, scoop it. Uh, the Facebook, the Scuba Obsessed Scoop It feed, I probably put 20, 30 articles on that a week. We also have the dive video site, divevideos.scubaobsessed.com. And then I'm also resurrecting the YouTube channel. Uh, I got to look and we hadn't posted a video up on that in a couple years, so we'll, we'll have that going. My son's been getting into video editing, and I'll probably recruit him and doing some stuff for us as well. So, Jim, did you get a chance to do any diving this last week? No. Uh, <laughs> I did some researching this last week, but no diving. Oh, so you got into the library? I got into the library of Bowling Green University last Friday Ooh. Uh, afternoon and made a number of uh, copies of ship enrollments on the ship that I'm trying to document uh reference to Max Rec, uh, just trying to gather as much information about this particular wreck as our ship as I can so that when we get back on the Max Rec, we'll, we'll be able to compare notes and see if we might be mm-hmm. able to put a name to it next year. Yeah, I'm I'm certainly looking forward to getting on Max Rec. Between reading that book and then seeing some of the articles we had this week, I can't wait to get back in the water on that wreck and do some more. Yep. I need to, I need to do a drawing. I'd like to get all the photos and videos we have so far so that I could kind of do an artist drawing. I think that may, you know, do a couple, you know, do one the way it is in the sand now with what's Mm -hmm. showing and then Mm -hmm. do another one kind of showing what may be beneath it, kind of hypothetical. Yeah, I think we've got enough uh, measurements uh, and video that a good artist would uh, would be able to do something with it. I'd like to I, I like your idea do something now kind of show a what if and then come back in a year or so and show what it really looks like all opened up with a great video mosaic of it. Mm-hmm. But I I think if we have that drawing where we we kind of you know tease people to what may be underneath it may encourage some people to go finding because like that one rubble wreck where they found the bell. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that we're aware of that's ever been taken off that wreck. From when it went down, it's all. It should all be there. If the unless the waves took it away, it's there under that sand. Oh, it's at least half of it's there. Yeah. <laughs> so and I and I gosh, I wonder what that the effect. You know, you talked about in the beach with stuff showing up. Are we going to have the same thing on the wreck? Is that going to expose that a little bit more than it was this year? Yeah, Dave. Say, Dave continues yeah. to say that there's no wreck on any of the no sand on any of the wrecks now. Yeah, if we could just get out there now, there's no sand on it. You know, all wash in in the spring before we get back out to it. And then this weekend, Mac was talking about going diving, him and Richard. I thought about trying to sneak out on Saturday, but my daughter's got a swim meet. Yeah, it is the Saturday after the mud club meeting, so that's usually a, a day to get wet. It certainly it's is. It's supposed to be relatively warm on Saturday compared to the rest of the week also. I think they're talking about a high above freezing which is always nice for your mask and your regulator when you get out of the water. Yeah, so you don't freeze up right away. Yeah, that's one thing that's not a good idea. When you rinse out your mask, set it down on the ice before you put it on, Uh-huh. you don't want to do that. Don't rinse it out and then set it on the ice before you try to pick it up and put it back on. Let me get that straight. You're saying do not put the mask on the ice. Yeah, well, it's okay if you put the mask on the ice. But don't dip it in the water to rinse it out after you put your anti-fog in it. Ah, uh, okay. And then set it down on the ice. <laughs> okay. Well, well, well I, I take it that will kind of melt it into the ice? Uh, it has a tendency to stick. <laughs> uh, and then when you drop the water out of it, you have a layer of ice that stays there until you get underwater and flood it again. Oh. And it's like the same with a regulator. When you're getting ready to do an ice dive, once you put that regulator in your mouth and start breathing off it, you don't take it out until after you're done the dive. You take two or three breaths like you normally would. You take it out of your mouth and say something or say, okay, I'm ready to go. Let's hit the water. You go to put it back in, and you may have a little problem with that regulator. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. Do not breathe on the regulator when you're out of the water, too. Yeah, it's, especially if it's below freezing. Yeah. So some cold weather dive tips for uh, any of the warm weather wimps that come north and want to get wet with us this year and prove they're not warm weather wimps. <laughs> okay, well, I've got a giveaway this week. A giveaway? A giveaway. We have a, a show sponsor. I don't know if she had much of a choice. I got my wife to sponsor the program. You're so, not giving away your wife. No, I'm, no, I'm not. You're not giving away your wife. No, 
No. Oh, okay. That that would not go real well. No. Or or be a, yeah. I I, I your, your there's kids would there's be no unhappy. good conversation down that road. So yeah, I will your, think your I will kids, be quiet. <laughs> your kids would definitely be unhappy. <laughs> yeah. So there there'd be all sorts of problems. But yeah, no, she's uh, sponsored the show and she's donated some of the products she sells. So I've got a whole line of stuff that she's been selling. So here's what we're going to do. If you happen to be in the chat room and you want it, what we've got is we've got some tea, some herbal tea concentrate that I can send you. It is great stuff. I've been drinking this for about the last six weeks. I used to be two or three large cups, which is probably six to eight large cups of coffee a day. And now other than maybe one cup on Saturday and one cup on Sunday during the week, I've completely given up on the coffee. So this is uh, an energy tea. So lemon flavored, and I'll send it out. So anybody in the chat room, you had to be in the chat room for this. Maybe we'll do something where we let people on the show uh, not uh, who are, don't have a chance to get in the chat room uh, get it. But if you just uh, guess a number between 1 and 100 and put it up on the screen, the person closest, I'll go ahead and send the tea off to. Anybody in the chat room? So we'll go ahead and do that. I'll wait. And we'll do this for a few weeks. I've got uh, quite a few packets of it. It's, a, it's individually sealed. And I think I figured out how to get it through the postal service without it being completely destroyed. Say again, Dave saying on the phone, guess between a number between 1 and 100. Okay. Dave, you got a number? We'll do that. Okay. So let me, I got a random number generator. We'll hit here and we'll see what number comes up. And we have 96. So that Dave's the closest with 85. Yeah, is this the Darren gets a dry a dry suit lottery? <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, no. If we if if uh, this goes well, and enough people buy it, then that's my dry suit fund. So I'm actually hoping that it goes real well. Um, so I'll go ahead. We'll send some tea off to Dave in the chat room. If you listen to this, come in next week. We'll we'll you have to be present to win. Uh, what I'll do is I'll. Maybe we'll do it a little bit early in the show. We have quite a few who have to go. They they come and join us in the chat room and then leave. So we'll we'll try and mix this up a little bit. If you if you turn ninety six upside down, okay. So uh, but we'll be able to get a get this going for a few more weeks. Now did I yeah I can get my single fin. <laughs> okay, so uh, we'll send that off and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about these these products my wife's selling in the future. Let's see what else do we have here. Gosh, it's just such an odd time of year now. People on the other side of the world, they're they're hitting their summer now, and we're at least the days are getting longer. Is all I've got to say. So, you got anything to plug before we get to that time of the show, Jim? Oh, not at the moment. Uh, I will say, Dave did refer us to a actually, Dave, Steve, and I got together last Friday night. Friday night? Yeah, it was Friday night. Yeah. Dave, Big Stig, and I got together last Friday night, not too far from Dave. We actually met at the shop Dave is working at now uh-huh. and went uh, nearby for a, uh, a a beverage and a snack. And it was a great place and a great get-together. And uh, I think we just need to do some more of that. I think I think we need to set some social events up. Well, certainly. That might even involve some diving, but... Uh, We've got to get some social events going where we can draw some of these uh, people who are close enough out to put some faces with these voices you hear and uh, get diving with us. We'd love to have more people diving with us. Mid-state meetups, yeah. Yeah, we could do that. Kind of like the Great Lakes Wrecking Crew does, you know. Mm -hmm. Just get together and have a big party and do some diving and, hmm. Yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to do some of those. Uh, you, we'll Rich and I have talked some... about doing that for a couple of years and just haven't got all the logistics worked out. Hey, Darren, yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think we need to set up the Scuba Obsessed Roadshow. Yeah. You invite us, give us a place to crash and dive, and uh, we'll get you on the show and plug you on the show. So wherever oh, yeah. you are, you know, you invite us to come diving with you and give us a place to crash. And honest, we, you know, we're not repulsive, <clears throat> at least to most people. No, we do shower. Well, that's what that, that's what the diving is. Yeah. yeah. We we don't pee in our dry suits. So, you know, if you could find room for us on the couch or the floor or the doghouse or whatever. Yeah. Let us know and we'll come diving with you some weekend. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Send us, uh, tell us where you're at. And, uh, yeah, I think we can do that. Sounds like a great idea. 
Well, I think we've gotten to that t- uh, time of the show. Now, did you want to do your joke, or do you want me to do the one I found? Oh, if you've got one, go right ahead. I'll just I'll just save mine. Okay. Not real sure. I I, I thought about turning it into a a dive joke, but uh, we'll just we'll, we'll see how this works. So here we go. It seems there were these three divers who like to go hunting every year, deer hunting. So they hire a guy to fly in this remote part of some remote place. They all split up to do their hunting and have a successful day and rendezvous back at the plane, each carrying a buck. Well, they load up the plane, and as the pilot started up the engine, he said to the men, I don't think she'll be able to get off the ground with all this load. Two of the men looked disappointed, but the third quickly responded, Don't worry about it. We caught the same amount last year, and we got off the ground with no problem. So the pilot said, okay, and the plane starts down the runway, and sure enough, it got off the ground, but the plane started to make some strange noises, and then it crashed in the woods. The next thing you know, the three men and the pilot were in the middle of the plane wreckage, but in relatively good health. One of them said, any idea where we at? The other man said, I don't know. I think we're about a mile or two from where we crashed last year. Ooh, did get off the ground. Okay. Okay. Mac would have really appreciated that one. Too bad he missed it. <laughs> See what he missed? See what he missed. He'll be sorry. So, until next time, go out there and get wet. And stay safe. And remember, never mind. <laughs> Recording has been completed. Scuba Obsessed episode 146 recorded live January 17th, 2012. Oh, crap. God, how long is it going to take me to get, you know, and I was doing good. I hasn't, at work, I haven't wrote or sent out an email the wrong year yet. So uh, here we go.